Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. This is another Money Show. Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. JR and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and JR Rochford. Here we are, your hosts, Anthony Correo and J.R. Rochford, taking a break from our day-to-day -day as financial advisors with Rochford and Associates, a fully independent, fourth-generation family office right here in the greater Phoenix area to bring you information you may not find on those other financial radio shows. We're aware the last thing you need is another money show, but we appreciate you being here. What do you got for us today? Today is a busy day. I know every week I say that, but every week's a busy week. So yeah, we got we got plenty for you today. So the commander in chief is in Israel today. Actually, you know what? Let me let me slow down for a second. Yeah, you know what, Anthony? We do appreciate people being here. We get a lot of comments now from the show, and it's kind of exciting because I know people are listening. You know, we always wondered if anybody's out there, but people are asking questions and calling. We actually got a letter from a from a client do you do you want to start with that we got a, a email question so let's start with that before we get to the day's news is that okay go for it let me read this word for word i'm not going to paraphrase this one because i'm going to get you involved in this long time listener first time caller so actually you're an emailer but i, I get what you're saying love the show still waiting for my tinfoil hat that's that's a little bit offensive but i'll continue so the rich men north of Richmond group of folks that are acting on Americans' best interest in Congress has kept the government from shutting down for a few more weeks without really fixing any problems. There are the same people, uh, I'm sorry, these are the same people that voted on whether or not they get paid during such a shutdown. Surprise, they voted yes, they, they should get paid. Also, the same group that voted to still be allowed to trade stocks even though they make the rules. What will it take in this country for the shrinking middle class Americans to make the changes necessary in D.C.? Term limits? Getting rid of the two-party system? Actually having a voice and representation instead of being run by corporations and greed? The obvious answer is revolution, but short of being labeled a terrorist, how can we band together for a better future? Hope to hear at least some of this letter on the show, and maybe let Anthony answer first before you take it away. You guys are doing great, Jeff, in Glendale. <laughs> um, I, just, I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, we could stop just electing these people. I think that's the biggest one. Um, I also think we don't want to deal with the third parties, or, you know, we tired of dealing with the two-party system, but you actively tell me that nobody should vote third party, so I disagree with that. Um, you know, obviously none of this is a, a financial question, but, I mean, it's... Like going back to Biden, right? He's been in office for a thousand years. You know what they could have done is just not elect him. 
you know, we don't necessarily need term limits if everybody agrees that uh, we're tired of electing these people, yet they keep electing them. So, I don't know. I think the process is simple. I think people just don't do it, and it's our own fault. So, we would love for them to elect themselves to have term limits, but they're not going to do that. So, stop voting them in, right? Uh, well, let me interject before I try to take it over. So, you you said I'm not in favor of voting for the third-party candidates. Uh, the reason for that, I mean, I, I am in favor of it. I just know that so far, it's a wasted vote. I mean, you, they're not going to command enough of a lead to knock off the two-party system. So, I love the Is idea. That because you nobody's doing it? It gets not... I mean, I'm trying to remember what you phrase when you talk about the middle class and, you know, if enough of us silent majority got up and did something about it, then there, you know, there could be consequences or actions or whatever. It was like, isn't this a part of that? Couldn't all these people that complain about the two party system start voting a third party in and just doing it now? Welcome to my party. The reason I'm frustrated all the time, this is a catch 22. We need more people to wake up and to vote outside of the normal system and they won't. So it's just this spiral of crap and I don't know how it's going to change. I, I don't know when Jeff put short of revolution. I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't want that. Believe me, I don't want what I think is coming to this country. I think it's way too late. I think we're way too much asleep. And yes, I say that all the time. You know, when your mom used to say, why do you get worked up? There's nothing you can do about it. I'm like, well, that's true. But if a million of us ever woke up, we could do something about it. I, I just, I look at the numbers. When you're talking a green candidate getting two to 3%, we're not close. It's not like they're getting 30%. It's not like they're getting 20%. They're getting in the single digits. So they, people yeah, I hear better. more than half of people complain about a two-party system, yet nobody's doing anything about it. So if all those people would just refuse to vote either party. But then again, again, back to your own party. I mean, didn't they say that Biden wasn't even going to debate? They weren't going to have another. They weren't even going to try to elect anybody else. They were just going to stick with Biden. I mean, that's not very democratic, is it? Well, and they're they're not. I mean, if he's still around a year and a month from now, I mean, I think Gavin Newsom will come in at the end. You know, it's interesting with RFK Jr., you know, he's an independent now, so I'm not sure what that's about. But, you know, here's a guy who's way more in the middle than we've seen for a long time. He certainly seems to employ some common sense. So let's see what he does. Maybe this will be the first time in history that somebody running independent has a shot at this. Who knows? It's not the first time. Do you know who the first one was? The third party got voted in? Which one? Lincoln. Lincoln as a Republican was, they were a third party at the time. And how did that work out for him? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he got voted in first, so, you know. I mean, part of our problem in this country, we're in a no-win situation. I mean, the the masses seem to be asleep. I don't know. I want to give people more credit. I'm also the, you know, Jeff's waiting for his tinfoil hat. I am concerned that our votes don't count. I know mine personally in the last general election and in the midterms did not count. Your mom's counted. Your brother's counted. I delivered them all in person to the county courthouse in Peoria. And then I waited my 10 days, went online to check our ballots, and I saw your mom's and I saw your brother's and I did not see mine. And I asked a handful of people what to do about it. And they it really stumped them. They were pretty much like, I, you know, we don't know. 
I mean, how do you prove that? You know, all three ballots went in together. They were signed. They were dated. They were sealed. I was very careful. I have a little bit of OCD. And then mine didn't count. So what do you do about it? I had a woman recently tell me you should have called the sheriff. I'm like, the sheriff? That's an interesting take on this. Do we file a police report? I mean, I'm not sure what that's about, but I was told that's theft. So anyway, so Jeff, thank you so much. I mean, the, the answer to your question is we have no idea. I mean, we have no idea what to do. These people are still faced with a debt ceiling shutdown. It's about a month out now. I believe it's November 17th, I believe is the day that we run out of money again. And yet, and I started with this, our commander-in-chief is in Israel. Why did I listen? Why? Because I want to see if we're pledging more funds. This is a financial show. Absolutely, we're pledging more funds. I don't need to debate with people whether we're in an actual war, a proxy war. I don't like war. I think it's a little dangerous. We're spread very thin. But I also know that these wars are not inexpensive. Do you remember when I brought up the, what's the name of it? The uh, Gerald Ford, the aircraft carrier. I brought that up last week. Saying so that I was- went missing. No, it's in in Israel area. <laughs> yeah. So there's another one. A second one joined it this week from what I hear. I don't know the name. So I did do what I said I was going to do because I was curious how expensive these things are. They're They're not- inexpensive to build, as I'm sure you would imagine. But what I keyed into is the cost to run them. So here's one thing I found. And by the way, it varied. They were all in the same ballpark, but I found a bunch of different numbers on this. This seems to be the closest to the middle. The maintenance and operational costs of a large-sized aircraft, which this one is, run at about $160 million per year. That is for personnel alone. Then if you add up the fuel and for the aircraft and the parts for maintenance, total operational cost for a single aircraft per year would be around $400 million. So $400 million, as we're throwing around billions and now the last two decades trillions, big freaking deal. Let me continue to operate. That was just to have it sit there. That was just to have people on it to watch it. To, to operate. The USS Gerald R. Ford, it will cost $2.5 million per day. This $2 million a day? This amount will cover the cost of the air wing, the support of a single attack submarine, and five surface combat ships, plus 6,700 sailors. So I, I, $2.5 million a day. If we're there for four days... That's $10 million. If we're there for, well, I don't need to do any more math, but you, you see where I'm going. By the way, the Gerald R. Ford, which is located in the United States, cost $13.3 billion. That is construction and manufacturing alone. That ship cost $13 billion. So the the price tag is adding up. Obviously, you know, and today, by the way, today is the 18th of October. As we record, we record on a Wednesday. You hear it on a Friday or after. So, you know, President Biden is in Israel. There was a bombing of a hospital last night. That kind of changed things. You know, they don't know yet if it was the Israel forces or if it was a, oops, Hamas dropped a bomb while they were launching more rockets into Israel. We don't know. I know something that's really weird to me this week. 
anybody that's listening to us that's a veteran, if you're active duty military, when did we start telegraphing our war plans? I knew two days ago, I knew on Monday that Biden was going to Israel. Where did I get the need to know this information? How much does it cost, if you want me to keep it financial, to send the president over to Israel? He's He was there what for, he's there for one day. What is the price tag to that? And I, and I guess my biggest thing is, why was he there? He's in an active war zone? That's not safe. He's still the leader of the free world. What in the earth is he doing there in a live war zone? Which is very, very unpredictable. Iran at any moment can decide to get involved. Russia can back Iran. Iran is going into the BRICS. This whole thing stinks. But <laughs> that said, let's get back to the money of it. So I thought, you know, we're we're 33 and a half trillion in debt at home. We are funding Ukraine on steroids. By the way, don't forget we do have missiles there, tanks. I understand we have a small presence of of troops. Now we're sending SEALs, Navy Team SEAL 6, we're sending 2000 Marines, we're sending people over to, to Israel. So with all of this going on, let alone the fact that don't give me that stuff about how this could lead to World War III, because I actually believe we're already in World War III. It just hasn't heated up yet. What? Let's talk about money for a second. So yesterday, I decided to poke around and see what I could find from our elected representatives and our public officials on the price tag to all this. I still think this country's going to tip. I think we're going to have a real estate market cool down, then a slowdown, then an absolute crash when, I don't know, a year, two years, I think we're on the verge now. I would say it's a really good chance within the next year we get to start seeing what I'm thinking is coming. We're going to have a stock market collapse like I don't think we've seen since the 1920s. I think this is all going to go bad. Anyway, who did I find in my travels other than my very favorite cartoon figure, Janet Yellen? I love Janet Yellen. I like looking at her. She looks like a little mushroom top. I like listening to her. Anyway, Jim, can I get you to play a clip? I'll give credit on this to CNBC. There was a reporter that interviewed Janet. And it, yeah, wait to hear this. I mean, this gives you an idea if we can afford to add another war onto our plate. I started by asking her whether there are any conditions attached to America's support for Israel, given the unfolding humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Her answer to that was very clear. She said, quote, America stands behind Israel, period. I also asked her whether America could afford to support two foreign wars at the same time. And a similarly clear answer to that. Absolutely. And this was why she said absolutely. American economy is doing extremely well. Um, inflation has been high and it's been a concern to households. It's come down considerably. At the same time, we have about the strongest labor market we've seen in 50 years with 3.8% unemployment. We've seen a burgeoning of investment especially in manufacturing, um, an industrial renaissance in the United States. So Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. can afford <laughs> supporting the two countries, Israel and Ukraine, simultaneously. <laughs> she, 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 yeah, the economy is strong. Unemployment, economy, well, everything's fine. Yep. We have, the, we, we have the strongest labor market that we've seen in 50 years with 3.8% unemployment. You know what else I learned this week? 
if you have a real estate license, if you have a, let's say a cosmetology license and you're a salon person, if you have that license, they count you as employed. Did you know that, Anthony? You, you don't have to be getting your unemployment visits to be counted unemployed. If you're a real estate agent, I know right now it's it's your you've got to be your interest has to be peaked on how this ends because there is not a lot of movement. So you're still employed. If you have zero listing and nothing in the pipeline, doesn't matter. You're still employed, so that's a good thing. Anyway, so don't they count uh, multiple jobs too? So if oh, first. One person has two jobs and the population is two people. It's a 100% employment rate. Isn't that how it works? That is correct. So with my job at Uber and DoorDash and what are the other ones? I mean, those are all new jobs. So yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. And let's go a little bit further before we leave the Middle East and get back to this country. The Biden regime. This is an article I found in the Gateway Pundit on the 12th of October. The Biden regime is forcing Americans trapped in Israel to sign promissory notes to repay all travel costs if they decide to be rescued by the U.S. government. So let's let this sink in for a second. You gave, what, $700 for each Lahaina residence in Maui? So you this, this I, I don't know how I can read all these things and not think this is, we're being punked. Remember that show, Punked? I mean, this country is being punked. So in a time when Americans in Israel are relying on their government for support and protection, the U.S. State Department's Consular Affairs Crisis Management System, the CACMS, has left many American citizens hanging in the wind, demanding them to sign promissory notes as a precondition for any assistance in evacuating from the crisis-hit region. The so-called assisted departure options were outlined in an email sent to an American citizen stranded in the Middle Eastern nation stating that the U.S. government would offer offer loans for transportation. If I'm one of the poor people stuck in that region, I went to see the Holy Land with my church group, I, <laughs> your country has sold you out. By the way, apparently, remember when we pulled out of Afghanistan? Apparently when we left Afghanistan, we did something similar. This is also in that article. This is not the first time the Biden regime has abandoned its citizens. According to the report by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, up to 9,000 Americans were left behind in Afghanistan to fend for themselves against the Taliban in 2022. So (laughs) this is insane. By the way, speaking of Afghanistan and the release, and speaking of our listeners that are veterans or military, We left a lot of military equipment there. I'm hearing now that some of it is turning up with Hamas in this conflict. So we are actually arming to a certain extent. To what extent, I do not know. I don't know how to find it even. But apparently some of our U.S. equipment is turning up in this global conflict. Certainly not World War III yet by any chance. So that's annoying. I mean, I hate to be so negative every week. But every single thing I'm reading about our geopolitical situation is disturbing and it keeps getting worse. Any thoughts on that, Anthony, or shall I move on? Uh, we'll go. We can move on from here. Let's move on. So last weekend, I went to a woman's 60th birthday party. Happy birthday, Tammy. I, I don't know if you listen, but happy birthday. I got called out from something last week. 
So Rick, one of our loyal listeners, this is the show every week, Rick called me out and said that I need to understand there's a difference between Totino's Pizza and Totino's Pizza Rolls. And I just want to correct last week's <laughs> misstatement. I know that. I know. I don't like Tostino's Pizza. I didn't even pick it up until I heard the show over the weekend. How you said it's not really a pizza, it's pizza adjacent. That's hilarious. So for a dollar, you're not expecting pizza. You're just expecting- $2 now. For a dollar, I wasn't expecting pizza. Now at $2, I don't know how I feel. Still Inflation, man. Inflation. Inflation's a killer. But anyway, I do want to give the folks at Totino's some kudos because their pizza rolls are delicious. I don't care who we are. Those are delicious. So thank you, Rick, for pointing that out because I want to clarify. So a couple other people I'm thinking about. Arlene in Peoria. We haven't mentioned in a long time. Arlene, if you're still listening, get word to us because we want to know that you're still out there. Michael C., as always, thank you for the articles. Every week he gives us a lot of stuff. So wasn't that the happier me? Should we move on now to the end of the world? Go for it. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk. Let's first go to an article that, that you sent to me this week. <laughs> this uh, A lot of these things, a lot of these articles today are about the banks. We got to get into that as usual. $81 billion in bank transfers abruptly halted as J.P. Morgan Chase and big banks encounter a major glitch in Japan, says engineers are investigating a banking glitch that triggered a total shutdown of billions upon billions of dollars in bank transfers in Japan. The glitch began on Tuesday, October 10th, leaving more than 1 million customers unable to move their money and affecting banking giants, including J.P. Morgan Chase, the Mitsubishi Trust, and MUFG. What are your thoughts on that, Anthony? Do you think that this is a CBCDC test? Do you think it's just a glitch? What I think you- it's just a glitch. It's just a reminder of when we make everything digital. You know, there's power outages, there's errors, there's, you know, all this stuff that we're doing in theory to make our lives simple doesn't always make it that way. This is just a reminder because the CBDC is coming, right? There's no doubt on that. So this is what we have to look forward to on a uh, a major scale. Well, and this and- is if this is truly just an accident, which I do believe it is. I don't know that there's any malicious intent in here. All I'm saying is that there can be, um, and it would affect you all the same. Well, and most of the country will never know about it. You know, that's why I'm glad they listen to us. We we point these things out, then they can look into it, and they can decide if this is just a glitch or if this is something that should worry them. You know, we, we've had that, what, green dot bank in this country. There's people that still haven't got their money. We talked about that months ago. You know, there, there's a lot of weirdness. Another article I read in the last couple of days, major banks close over 3,000 branches nationwide. I'm bringing us from Japan back to this country. With recent 50-plus closures from Bank of America in just one week, major financial institutions seem to be accelerating a trend that many conservatives find alarming, the closure of physical bank branches. Now, why would you point out conservatives? I don't care if you're on a certain side of the political spectrum. If if there's problems with your bank, I think that transcends politics. 
but some of these articles, I still think the media is doing an outstanding job of pushing people against each other. You know, gay versus straight, black versus white, haves versus have-nots, right versus left. I think they're doing an outstanding job. According to a bulletin published by the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, the OCC, on Friday, that would have been Friday the 13th, Bank of America led the way by closing 21 branches in just the first week of October. Wells Fargo was not far behind with the closure of 15, while U.S. Bank and Chase reported closing nine and three branches respectively. In total, some 54 locations had either closed or were scheduled to close between October 1st and October 7th. So I don't know. I mean, is this what? Why are we closing branches at the big banks? Those are the we ones we talked about this last week too. Over the last decade, about twenty percent of branches have closed across the country. That's is insane. Genuine a pattern. That's insane. And I'm going to jump to the end of that article. Read one more sentence, and that'll give you an idea why I think it's happening. Retired managing director of wealth management, formerly working in Swiss private banking, if he's in Swiss banking, he knows about money and watches, Clive Thompson said at some point, the global economy will enter a crisis. You think? He believes banks will be closed. And then there will be an announcement about the rollout of the central bank digital currencies or the CBDCs. Mr. Clive Thompson, I think you are spot on. We don't need a whole bunch of these big wells, Chase and B of A's to monitor that stuff. We just need a handful. So with that said, Anthony, it's break time. How did this go so fast? I'm not even on my normal charged up routine, but reach out to us if you would. <laughs> Jim put in there, it's recess time. I have to go out and run around, go on the monkey bars, get some energy out. So reach out to us at team at anothermoneyshow.com. Let us know if you want us to read your email and we will. Call us 623 523 0444 and you know my pet my pet project make sure you check us out on youtube youtube.com another money show thank you for being here and we will be right back this is another money show except this one's different this one's actually fun Fixed annuities, including multi-year guaranteed rate annuities, are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to restrictions, fees, and surrender charges as described in the annuity contract. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuer. At Rochford & Associates, we know the road to financial freedom is not a straight path, and the journey is different for every family. And in times like these, we want you to feel confident that you're safely on track to meet your retirement goals. We want to ask you to prepare for economic chaos. We want you to prepare for bank volatility. We want you to insure and protect your assets with a smart plan. Our team can help you make the most of your hard-earned savings using strategies that are right for you. I want more people to sit down with us. When we talk about a financial plan, it's different for every person we meet. We tailor make our plans. Schedule your no-obligation consultation today by calling 623-523-0444. That's 623-523-0444. 
Rochford and Associates, veteran owned and proud to serve Americans like you. This is another money show, except this one's different. This one will actually keep you awake. Welcome back to another money show. Thank you so much for being with us. We greatly appreciate it. Don't forget, if you'd like to sit with us, our main goal here is to sound alarms. Make sure you're prepared, not scared. Make sure you're proactive, not reactive. We can do that for you. One person, one couple, one family at a time, and we'll be honored to do our best. So no cost, no obligation. Second opinion, we're here for you. You can reach us at 623-523-0444 or team at anothermoneyshow.com. And don't forget, check out our YouTube channel at Another Money Show. So back to what's going on in this country. I read an article from Forbes yesterday. The title was American Families Risk Falling Into a Doom Loop. This term was new to me, so it caught my eye. I'm not sure what a doom loop is, so I thought that sounds like something I'd be in on. It's also known as a doom spiral. And as I read the article, which didn't say all that much that we don't know already, but it says a doom spiral in economics, a doom spiral or loop, describes a situation in which one negative economic condition catalyzes another negative condition, creating a third negative condition or reinforcing the first. Result- so a effect. Yes. It's that simple. Yep. Resulting in a downward spiral. And then it basically, it you know, no kidding. I mean, if you lose your job, and you're already concerned with a rising price of food and goods and services and gas, that's going to start a negative spiral. And then you're probably eventually not going to be able to pay your credit card bills, and that's going to get worse. So that's where our country, a portion of our country seems to be headed. Some of the statistics that are on here are kind of, I guess they shouldn't be surprising, but I still, I hate to see it. According to bank rate, nearly one in three people have emergency savings. One in three, two-thirds of this country don't have an emergency savings. But not enough, uh, let's see here, make matters worse, 22% of the adults have zero emergency savings. So I think I got that wrong. A third of the country has no emergency savings. Uh, National average for credit card debt is 5,733, according to TransUnion. So 5,700, that actually seems really low to me, but I guess if that's average and that means half is worse, I guess, I guess that's high. It says yeah, the average- you're paying enough monthly and we know a lot of people that are, I mean, I'm in that boat. So that's not going to count. Mine's going to, I'm going to end up on the stats, but it'll be a zero, which means which that is- imagine that a ton of them are, you know, nothing. So that's going to skew the average quite a bit. Yes, yes. And we see it all in our office. We're in Sun City, so we do have an older clientele base in general, and they are usually a little bit better with not having mortgages or credit card or so forth. Uh, this this part kind of shocked me because I know we were saying about six weeks ago that the national average was 22 to 23%. Apparently, the APR for revolving credit accounts is now... 28.10% according to Forbes Advisors Weekly Credit Card Rates Report. 
also says here, many adults in the U.S. are prioritizing short-term expenses over their long-term savings. Data analysis from the survey showed that the number of 401k participants taking hardship distribution surged 36% year over year. We talked about last week, too, uh, the foreclosure numbers skyrocketing again. Uh, We've mentioned a ton of times that credit card debt has increased past savings. I mean, this all, all of this is just a ticking time bomb, right? Now, no actions have consequences. Obviously, the government with $33 trillion in debt is doing just fine because now we can uh, wage two wars and afford to without any compromise. Well, and the good news is we can wage, you know, another 34 wars. We can do 43. We can do 57. We can do as many as we want because there's no money. I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to this, but we are 33 and a half trillion in the hole. Broke is broke. Broke means you have no money. Broke is like a zero, right? We're not broke. We were broke, you know, pretty much the last hundred years. We're not broke. We're 33 and a half trillion in the hole. So apparently we can fund any war we want because all they do is they go in with a keystroke. You know, what What on earth are we a month from now? We're going to talk about this again. We, we get all these fancy terms from our government. We get fiscal cliffs and debt ceilings. We get TARP which is the Troubled Asset Relief Program. We get all these fancy terms. We're, we're broke. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up with us. I think if this country you know, has decades left in it, it's going to start out by basically wiping out the middle class. We all know our taxes are going to go up. We know that we have to fix Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. I, I, just, I think they're going to suck dry the middle class. And then from there, I, I personally think this country just goes the way of Venezuela, but I know that's an extreme thought, and most people probably would not want to agree with me, even if they can't really argue with me. So, and the, you know, and that article ends up with bringing up student loans. You know, we know student loans are, you know, needing to be paid again. I haven't heard much about it. I haven't heard any of these stories yet about people making a decision between their rent and their student loans. It's been kind of quiet. And, and I guess that's good. I don't need to add that under my plate. We all, we know what's going on. I did read, <laughs> however, that remember when we talked about Evanston, Illinois? Does that ring a bell? You know, I, uh, I realize reparations. Reparations, yes. So I need to check in with Evanston again. My sister actually went to college there, to Northwestern University, when, and that was a long time ago. That was a beautiful area, beautiful campus. But that area, I mean, it's it's changed. There's a lot of gang problems and other stuff. But anyway, so here's another one for you. Four, four million eight hundred sixty thousand to be given away as U.S. city becomes the latest basic income testing ground. So this one is not reparations. This one is apparently for anybody. A major U.S. city is preparing to launch a multi-million dollar basic income pilot. The city of St. Louis, Missouri. Is it Missouri or Missouri? We'll hand out. Why does that even matter? Why do you stop me? I mean, why do you... You stopped yourself to make that comment. Because this show has to be interesting. Stop being boring, Anthony. Get off my lawn. When you turned (laughs) 77, you became quite the wet blanket. I have another question. Is it Prescott or Prescott? Was it Missouri or Missouri? I have questions. Jim, get involved. Nobody cares. Just get to the point. I care. No, they do care. They actually think it's funny when we bicker. So we got to do more bickering. We were bickering a while back. I bicker with you. You just... So annoying. So annoying. 
Just me though. It's only this side of the street. So back yeah, to St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> so back to St. Louis. So they will hand out 4.86 million to people who are struggling to overcome financial hardships. The money will be handed out to 540 participants who have a child or dependent under the age of 18 who's enrolled in public school. Combined household income must be less than 170% of the federal poverty level, and participants must have experienced negative financial impact in recent years, such as a loss of work and increased child care costs. This is all very gray. I mean, 170% of the federal poverty level. That doesn't seem quite as dire as I would have thought. You know, it's it's almost two times the poverty level, right? I mean, I think I'm reading this right. I'm curious on what the poverty level is. I'm going to look that up. Keep ranting. You look that up. I'll keep ranting. So St. Louis is joining dozens of cities, dozens of cities across the U.S. as lawmakers look to judge how effective free money can be for people struggling to meet ends. <laughs> In Fairfax County, Virginia, signups just closed in a pilot that will disperse a total of $2 million to 180 families living below the poverty line. So, boy, I got news. Move to St. Louis because you can be double the poverty line. Move to Virginia. Apparently, you have to be under the poverty line. You know, I, I just know that, like, when I read about the death spiral, you know, we're all struggling. Everybody's struggling. If you're very wealthy, I know what your concern is. We've dealt with people that are very wealthy over the years. You're always afraid you're going to run out of money. You want to make sure you can live the lifestyle the way you want. You want to make sure that if you have any kind of long-term care needs, they'll be covered. You want to make sure you don't outlive your money. You know healthcare is going up, taxes are going up, benefits are going to go down. And then you want to handle legacy and inheritance needs. So you're worried about money. You're worried you don't have enough. I, I rarely meet people that think, yeah, I, I got I got too much. I, I don't know what to do with all this. You should give it to people in Fairfax, Virginia or St. Louis if you have too much. But people that are like mainstream people, they are concerned that the gas prices are a little bit high. I, and uh, by the way, if this uh, if this pre-World War III Middle East stuff grows legs, you, you think your gas prices are high now? You know, we, we see some across the country back down to two ninety nine. We have some in Arizona now that are in the, you know, 330 to 350 range. It ain't going to stay there if this thing gets worse. So I, I'm and sorry. To say I looked it up, the poverty for the 48 and District of Columbia for a one person household is 14.5. For a two person, it's 19.7. Uh, for a four person, that is... 30,000. So 30,000, and then you said 170. So that's 1.7. So it's a family of four making under 51,000 a year. And 51,000 a year, if you live in San Diego or San Francisco, is dramatically different than if you live in Paducah, Kentucky. 
Yeah. Is that right? It doesn't make it any, it's still not enough to live off of, even in those poorer states and cities. I agree. No, I mean, I, th- I think this is great. I mean, I, we need to help people. We are the most wealthy nation the world's ever conceived. We're no, compassionate. What? Wait, what? We're not that. Yeah. You know we're broke. I know we're broke. We're not wealthy. We're not broke. I went over that. Rewind. We, we're not oh, broke. Way worse than broke. Plenty so of money I, to give to other countries to wage wars. Gotcha. And when we were talking about Evanston a while back, the question on where does this money come from? Will we ever shake the money tree and nothing will fall out? The thing in Evanston, it was going to come from the sale, <laughs> the revenue of marijuana. The recreational marijuana was going to fund it and it fell short. Apparently, we don't have enough potheads. We have a lot of poor people, but not enough poor potheads. So they went after the people that own a home valued at $1 million or more. So where do we think, if this goes well in St. Louis, where do we think the money is going to come from? The government's broke. So the government, I guess they'll keep giving out money until we reset the country. But it's going to come from people with million-dollar homes. Sorry. Anytime I think about Andrew Yang, I'm like, it's great that you want to help the country. I agree. You know, it's great that if you're in California now, you're getting $20 minimum. If you work for McDonald's, $20 minimum at McDonald's. So that's great. Where's the money going to come from? Middle class are going to shrink, kids. I I got news for you. So some of the people that have greater wealth than others, a lot of times I look at what I see and I compare and contrast. You know, my experience in a quarter of a century in the office, if you have this much money, you're going to be okay. We are in very uncharted territory, though. I mean, when, when we start lowering Social Security benefits and raising the age, when we start charging more for Medicare, when we start cleaning up the rules at the Social Security Administration, things are going to change. I mean, I, I, I need to be willing to shift how much money I think you need. So another and other news. Well, it, we say yes. this all the time, too. It's harder to it's hard to save. It's hard to put money away. But what you can do is limit what you have going out. So that's why we always say get under the table with debt. Get out from under the table, get under the, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> under the radar? Yeah, get under the radar when it comes to debt. You know, don't owe anybody anything that you don't have to. So if you can do that, then it's much easier to build wealth. You know, you don't need $5 million to retire. You don't need $1 million to retire. You just need a comfortable income and limit your debt. Yep. And that's, I mean, it seems so simple, yet people, it, it evades people. And we do, you know, we have solutions. I, I spent a little bit of time last week talking about how financial advisors, you you better at least be able to work, you know, you, you got to be able to explain at least MIGAs, you know, short-term fixed annuities. You know, we, we like people to know their options all the way around. You know, the whole thing fiduciary. You you better be well-rounded in this job, I think. And a lot of people still are not. You know, and, and I do gravitate towards the negative stuff every week because I don't want people blindsided. I want you to know how sketchy this country is and I want you to act accordingly. I don't want to just scare you. I want you to do the right things. I just want you to have extra food and water. I want you to have some cash at home. I want you to understand the differences between putting money at an insurance company versus in mutual funds or stocks and bonds. You know, we're having a rough period with bonds. 
That's still going on, by the way. So everything's different than it was in years past. You need to be ready for things changing. We talk about the banks every week. It's not over. They just stopped telling you about it on Channel 3 News. It's still going on. So how it ends, nobody knows, but I can tell you right now, everything's uncertain. And that's not usually a good thing. You know, I, I read this week that Blue Cross Blue Shield, they're dropping their pension plan. I don't know if you saw that, Anthony. That's a huge company. They're very big in Arizona. By the way, if you're an employee of Blue Cross Blue Shield, reach out to us, 623-523-0444. We can help you with what to do with your pension. We can give you options. We can help you ascertain your risk tolerance. We can do this with you. You know, we, we have options for people. You, you still have a United Auto Workers strike going on. Now the casino workers in Detroit, as of yesterday, they're going on strike. Everywhere you look, people are going on strike. It, it, this is weird, weird times. But anyway, back, I look at the negative side of things because we only have so much time. I want people to know things are not what they appear day to day. I, I, here's something I think might actually be upbeat and positive. This might be a good thing. This is from Yahoo Finance. I found this on the 15th of October. Student loan borrowers will get a hand in saving for retirement next year. And this is, and I'm not being sarcastic, this is the first thing that's given me some hope that maybe our government is going to try to help people on a little scale. It says here, a new federal rule next year will make it easier for borrowers paying back their student loans to also save for retirement. Section 110 of the Secure 2.0 Act, legislation signed into law last December, will allow employers to provide 401k, 403b, or simple IRA matching for qualified student loan payments. The provision is optional, which it should be, and effective January 2024. That's only a couple months out. And what this, you know, to summarize this for you, it means if you're paying back $500 to your student loan, you probably have to stop contributing to your 401k. Let's say you were doing $500 a month to your 401k, and then they restarted your payments in October. So you, you have the shift. You had to go to your HR and stop your 500 a month. They can, these employers can still match up to the $500 you're putting in your student loans. That's brilliant. I know you and I, Anthony, have talked about, you know, the, the right or wrong of paying back student loans versus forgiveness. We've talked about the nature, the predatory loan nature. But here's actually a little bit of a solution to help people get ahead. If they're going to have to pay their loans anyway, the employers can help them save for retirement still. That's brilliant, if you ask me. Had you heard about this? I had not. But I mean, it's... I don't know. I guess I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like the the match is going to be the same regardless, but if it... No. I don't know. It's so funny. I, mean, I finally don't get me wrong. I like yeah. it. I like, uh, you know, the matching money. It's just going one direction versus another. So I kind of see it as a, a blank. But I guess <laughs> if people aren't paying into their 401ks, so they're missing out on their match because they are paying on the student loan, they can still get the match for the... Okay. 
All right, I'm back on board. I just had to think this one through. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm really going to rip into you right now. I finally find something up being positive that I'm thinking is a good sign and you're not sure about it. No, and well, no, it's not that I ever thought it was a bad sign. I'm just saying I didn't get the gist. You know, it, ad, good advertisement can sell people on a lot of things, whether it's good or not, or if it's the exact same thing, just repurposed. And this is kind of the exact same thing, just repurposed. But I I know, to me, it was refreshing. It. Uh, to me, it was refreshing. I, I never would have thought to do something like this. And you know what makes me happy? It's thinking outside of the box. You know, if you want to fix elections, if you want to fix debt problems, we have to start making changes. You know, the definition of insanity, it's alive and well in this country. So this was one that that piqued my interest because it's something new. I hope employers all jump on board. There's there's nothing to lose. You know, we talk about it, you know, the, the gap between CEO pay and the hourly worker, the average worker. You know, here's a way for the the distribution to go a little bit more to the worker. So it's a good thing. And it's thinking outside of the box. So I like it. By the way, speaking of that auto worker strike that's still going on, Ford is like begging people to to get out of the problem. You know what I've noticed ever since the strike began? Ford stock has been up pretty much every day. Not huge, but it's like you your workers are not working. You're not selling cars. This Who knows how long it's going to go on? And your stock hasn't been hurt whatsoever. The stock ticker is F. <laughs> so look up F on your Yahoo Finance or whatever page you want to use. And you'll notice the stock is just kind of hovered. So it's it's funny to me. So Well, people, they also had an insane amount of backed inventory, didn't they? So isn't yeah. this almost a blessing because now they don't have to pay them and they can um, sell the cars that they've had in in the background? I guess so. I mean, I, that's, a, that's a happy, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, I don't know. I'm not I mean, saying anything good. I still, you know, I'll stick with the strike, but I don't know if Ford cares. I don't know if anybody cares. I don't know if the stock market cares. None of it matters. We've noticed that. So that thousands of times. So let's end on a happy note since I'm in such a good mood about this whole student loan thing. You know, when I talk about options, I like that last week I talked about a fixed annuity alternative for CDs. You know, when I talk about the ultra wealthy, you know, worrying about running out of money, we have solutions for you too. You know, Anthony, it's been a while since we've talked about something called the Tripler. I want to give you a quick version of that today before we run out of time. So the Tripler is a insurance product. And basically, you put in $100,000 and it goes into a fixed annuity with a no charge up front, no annual fee. There is a declining backside charge if you leave them early. But if you need your money back, you have your money there. If you need to start income, you have income there. If you get sick and you have a long-term care need, all of a sudden you have $300,000 worth of coverage. So if you have a lot of money, let's say you put in $500,000, your $500,000 is safe. You know, you can get it back. If you pass away, you don't lose a penny. It goes to your named beneficiary. But if you have a long-term care need, you now have $1.5 million long-term care plan. So that's huge in this landscape where long-term care is still really sketchy. They're raising rates all over the place. We have solutions to all this stuff. So wanted to bring that up because that's another area. You you can use a life insurance platform or chassis or a fixed annu- annuity chassis. Well, it's definitely good for elevating long-term care because standard long-term care, I mean, 
you're paying into it, they're going to raise your rates over time as you get closer to needing it. And should you never need it, it's just wasted money. So this allows you to at least get your money back should you not need it. Um, allows you to use it for other things too, but should you need it for long-term care, the tripler. I don't know, and I like it, but I like it. That's, I think most of our clients, most people that are probably listening to this show anyways, really need to focus on individual income. Because if you focus on high enough on your individual income in retirement, that can double as your long-term care instead of something special. I mean, we do have high net worth individuals that definitely this is what it's for, but I think for the everyday person, if we can just jack up their income in retirement, you know, well past what they actually need, that'll carry over into the long-term care too. I would do both because I think long-term care in the future is going to be wildly more expensive. I think they're going to have to cut benefits when we get to Medicare for all. So I would say if you have the means, I would do both. I would have the yeah, piece of right of a leveraged asset and you're right on income. Next week, we should talk about your blackjack table thing that, you know, on income. Anyway, we're out of time. Reach out to us at team at anothermoneyshow.com or give us a call at 623-523-0444. And we'll be glad to sit down with you or at least answer your questions. Don't forget YouTube, Another Money Show. Thanks again for being here and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM. A registered investment advisor, BCM and Rochford Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. At Rochford & Associates, we know you've worked hard to earn your money, and you've worked even harder to save it. When it comes to wealth management and planning for retirement, J.R. Rochford and his team of specialists have been helping individuals, families, and business owners find financial freedom at their veteran-owned firm for more than 25 years. Give us a call now at 623-523-0444. That's 623-523-0444. Retirement landing spots for retirees has become more diverse. I'm Jim Tarabocchio with the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife. While many cities in Florida still serve as retirement destinations, retirees are looking beyond the sunshine and warm weather for factors that contribute to their quality of life. CNBC's Sharon Epperson explains. The bottom line, living near the beach may sound great, but it won't be the haven you expected if you don't have the support and services you need to get there and enjoy it. Take your time to consider a variety of factors before deciding where to live. According to a recent U.S. News & World Report, the six key factors of housing affordability, desirability, happiness, Healthcare quality, retiree taxes, and the local job market all play pivotal roles in where retirees might relocate. The same study shows five of the top 10 U.S. cities best suited for retirees are located in Pennsylvania. Lancaster, PA checks in at number one, followed by Harrisburg at number two. York, Allentown, and Reading also represent the Keystone State. Tampa, Naples, and Daytona Beach sit in the fourth, sixth, and seventh spots respectively on that list representing Florida. 
Pennsylvania and Florida are the two clear-cut retirement destinations. Retirees benefit from tax breaks in both states, while Pennsylvania doesn't tax retirement pensions and distributions from 401ks, IRAs, and Social Security. Pennsylvania and Florida, the two states uniquely fit for different retirement priorities. For the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Jim Tarabokia.